It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast on this phone-in Friday. Thank you so much for joining us today. On today's show, got a packed episode with Chad Dotson. Got a chance to talk with him uh, about looking forward to the second half of this season and maybe even looking a little bit forward to next season as well. Way early on that one, but uh, we got carried away with that conversation. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. Thanks so much for downloading today. If you are not subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Himalaya, all that good stuff. It's the easiest way to get the podcast each and every day into your queue. Also, check us out on Twitter at LockedOnReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And hit us up on the Locked On Reds line. My question from Thursday is going to stand all weekend. I want to hear from you what you think about this question right here. Who do you want to see the Reds go after for this trade deadline period? Up until July 31st, who is a guy that you would like to see in a Reds uniform come August 1st? I want to hear from you, 513-549-0159. And real quick, before we jump into this interview, it's... It's really timely. I wanted to announce that I have accepted a position. I'm going to be the managing editor of Red Leg Nation. It was really timely that I get to talk with Chad today. He is the guy that came up with Red Leg Nation. And I'm not just saying this now because I'm a part of this website, but Red Leg Nation is the best place on the interwebs for Reds baseball coverage great columns great writers if you have not checked out red leg nation i don't know what on earth you do on the internet you got to go to redlegnation.com a lot of great reds content there and you'll start seeing some of my content up there as well at least as far as writing is concerned i'm still going to be the podcast host here for locked on reds but i'm super excited to be a part of the red leg nation so anyway with that being said 
for today's Phone It In Friday. We're leading up to the second half of the season. Reds baseball is finally back today. I have missed it. I don't know about you, Chad, but uh, looking forward to having baseball on my TV. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, doing well. Glad to be back here with you. Absolutely. And that was actually a really quick, I almost blew through my intro there. By the way, we have Chad Dotson on today, the man <laughs> who wrote The Big 50 and is the dude in charge of Red Leg Nation Radio. And uh, Chad, I want to look at something that, at least for right now, is unanswerable, but how we look at the rest of the season going forward. I know we have a most confusing team on our hands, but... If you can shake your crystal ball a little bit, which I guess you don't shake a crystal ball. That's a magic eight ball. But <laughs> if you shake the magic eight ball, what does the second half of the season look like to you? Well, that's the uh, that's the question right now. It's a, been a really interesting team so far. It's been as frustrating as any team in baseball and at times as exciting as any team. And we've seen uh, good reds and bad reds in just about equal measure during the first uh, half, at least pre-All-Star break. I feel pretty confident still about this team. You know, um, some may depend on what happens to the trade deadline, and we may talk a little bit about that, but I don't anticipate a ton happening at the trade deadline. I think that everyone is relatively healthy at this point. Alex Wood is supposedly going to be back soon. Uh, hoping we get a guy like Cody Reed back for the bullpen. Uh, I think this team has a shot of being uh, significantly better. And And what does that mean, though? Are we going to be in the playoff race? I have a difficult time. I want to be optimistic, and they're, they're, they, the Reds aren't far away. I want to be optimistic, but it's also a stretch. You know, They're going to have to get to 87, 88 wins or so, and that's going to take some really good play the rest of the way. Do I think they could do it? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I think there's enough talent here that they could go on a run and do that. Do I think they will? I'm probably not going to bet the ranch on it. So does that not answer your question sufficiently enough? <laughs> I tell you, it's uh... – this second half is going to be crazy because with them and this division as a whole, and it's funny because we led into the season saying, well, you know, they play in probably the toughest division in baseball. And that doesn't necessarily mean they play in the most talented division. But right now it shows just how crazy it is because the Reds are in last place, but they're only four and a half games out. There's no other second place team in any other division that's that close. And yet the Reds aren't even in second. And I think that with that moving forward, I don't want the front office to get rose-colored glasses and go for it this year. Is is that a wrong way to look at it? Well, it depends on on what you mean by go for it this year. No, I, I think the Reds should go at the trading deadline and try to acquire somebody to help them win this year. No, not in the traditional sense that teams make trade deadline deals. There's no, no reason whatsoever for the Reds to go out and spend uh, any of their resources acquiring a guy that's just going to be here the rest of the season, the next couple months. They have plenty of those guys already. Uh, if the Reds can get someone that can help them this season, but it's also going to be around for another season or two, then we're talking because uh, that's a guy that can help uh, you know more than just two months, and, and that's what they need to be looking for. I would be a little disappointed in the management of this team if they went out and got one of these uh, quote-unquote rentals for the rest of the year. It just it doesn't make sense with where the Reds are in the rebuild. And even though they're close, it just does not make sense to give up any actual assets, anything of value for someone that's not going to be around past this year. Where would you put your your trust level or, yeah, we'll go with trust level, in this front office right now to make the right moves moving into July 31st? 
I'd say it's way higher than it would have been probably six months ago. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of trust uh, GM Nick Crawl, uh, Dick Williams, president of baseball operations. Uh, I feel like they're finally getting a chance to implement what they want to do. They've been a little bit, uh, had their hands a little bit tied the last couple of years. And uh, just a, a, for an example, as an example, the release of Zach Duke, just outright. They owe the guy a couple yeah. million. And they still just just cut bait on him because he's he had no business being on this team. And the Reds of the past would not have just cut bait on him. Same with Matt Kemp. The Reds mm-hmm. of the past would not have released Matt Kemp uh, under the, those circumstances and just eaten all that money. And so there's something different going on. And obviously the, the, the tone of all, all the transactions in the offseason was way different than what we'd seen in previous years. So I have a pretty high level of trust in the front office right now. And I do, I would be extremely surprised if they went out and got a rental. Uh, I would not be surprised if they went out and worked some kind of fairly big deal at the trade deadline, though. That is one thing, and um, Moegger pointed this out a couple of days ago, is that when it comes to this front office, you know, everyone's saying, are they buyers, are they sellers, are they going after a hitter, are they going after bullpen? He's like, here's one thing you can take to the bank. When they do what we hope they're going to do, it's going to be just a complete surprise. Because the Dodgers thing, that wasn't talked about. Uh, getting Tanner Rourke, that wasn't talked about. And Sonny Gray, to an extent, was talked about. But even in the days leading up to his deal, it was almost a thought of, well, the Yankees are asking for too much. So I, I, I'm with him. I think that what's going to happen is almost going to be a surprise to everybody, but I do think, kind of like what you said, I think it's going to be a good surprise. I don't think it's going to be a situation where we're just like, oh boy, we traded for the 2019 version of Gary Majeski here. Right. They may give up someone that we don't necessarily want them to trade, but I don't expect, I expect them to get something back that's really going to make people happy if that were to happen. I, I think the, the, everyone keeps asking that question are they buyers or are they sellers? And uh, my column this week at Cincinnati Magazine was uh, basically said, that's an entirely too simplistic way of looking at what the Reds need to do mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. They're actually both buyers and sellers. They should be, or should be looking to be both buyers and sellers. We've got a lot of guys whose contract's going to expire at the end of the year. Can they package some of those guys for something that's going to help the team this year and then moving on into the next couple of years? Um, and, and also, they're close enough in the race. Uh, so, so with all those expiring contracts, that's where traditionally teams would be sellers. But being so close in the race and having a chance to be competitive and having a, a city that's sort of desperate for a uh, a winner, a city that will go nuts if this team actually were to like conduct a fire sale. Right. I think they sh- I think they they could be buyers as well. So I I think they could and should be looking to be both, and they could trade some of these guys like uh, you know even uh, Puig or Tanner Roark that are on these uh, con- expiring contracts, but only uh, as a package to get somebody back that's going to help the team beyond this season it's it's really going to be interesting to see if they're able to swing anything because if they do swing something i guarantee it is like sort of like you said it's gonna be very very interesting um, and it'll be a, a fairly big deal i don't expect to see any tiny deals so let's have a little bit of fun with this i know that throwing some of these names out here they're names that i've heard of and that's kind of where i wanted to start the conversation with a little bit with these the idea of who the reds could go and get and obviously this is just us spitballing. Me and you don't have as much a- as much access as you know Mark Sheldon or C. Trent Rosecrans. So we're kind of coming at it with hope more than information. But I've seen names like 
Seth Lugo from the Mets, Tony Watson from the Giants, a couple of relievers in there. And of course, we've heard our we've heard the piece about Clint Frazier and stuff like that. Who is a name? And, and and our buddy Wick Terrell over at Red Reporter talking about Francisco Lindor and getting us all excited. But um, what's a name or two or three or seven? Yeah, I don't know how many you got thinking around, but somebody that you may be looking at that hey, maybe he could be a Red come August first. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, Clint Frazier is a as a as a guy obviously that we keep talking about that would fit very nicely at his age and. and the level of ability. But I think that's difficult to answer that question for the simple reason that the Reds are not looking for guys who are traditionally trade deadline candidates. I think they they, they need to be looking deeper at guys that you, well, like a Francisco Lindor, that's not necessarily a guy you would typically think would be traded at the trade deadline. And of course, you're right, we all sort of get glossy-eyed at the thought of that, and it's, it's almost certainly not going to happen. But that's the type of guy that the Reds need to be looking for. Not necessarily, I mean, he's you know one of the greatest players in the game. But uh, and if you watch the All Star Game, uh, a lot of fun to listen to him talk uh, during during the inning when they had him mic'd up. Uh, really, really bright kid and just got his head screwed on straight. Love that guy. Uh, too bad he's not a red right now. But um, you know that's the type of guy that a couple more years of of team control after this year that can really help the team right now, but also going into the future. You know, another guy in that similar situation is Noah Syndergaard. Who you know, and everybody's like, well, the Reds already have an ace. The Reds have two all-star. Well, you can't, can't have too much pitching. There's no pitching staff where Noah Syndergaard wouldn't help the, the staff, and he's a guy that has two more arbitration years after this one. And you know, uh, those are the types of guys that I want to see the Reds targeting uh, people that can be around a little bit longer. Obviously, Syndergaard and Lindor are on the upper level of the type of player that may be available. Um, but you can, it doesn't have to be someone that good, I guess is what I'm saying. Just someone that you can slot in for the next three years, uh, for, for example, as the right fielder, if Yasiel Puig's not going to be here, or a shortstop, or a catcher. And uh, so I think the, 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 the pool of players the Reds need to be looking to, to try to acquire is really a lot larger than most teams traditionally use, uh, look at for the trade deadline. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It's, it's like... Going on to Netflix and not really having an idea of a show you want to watch, you just know you want to watch a show. And there's a lot of options, and there's not necessarily one that is like, you must watch me. There's not a player where it's like, you must get that player. This is the guy that they're going for. This is the guy they're going to get. And and there's a type of a guy, but not necessarily a name. As somebody I talked about on the podcast um, just yesterday was... Whit Merrifield, and I believe you had talked about him, it might have been a couple weeks ago, on your podcast, and he's a dude that would fit the mold, I think. He's a guy that the Royals really didn't know who he was. I was reading an article today, because I was trying trying to look for any morsel of rumor that the Royals were looking to trade him at all, and of course the only rumor mill article that I even saw about that said the Royals are not looking to trade (laughs) Whit Merrifield, but... He's 30 years old, but he made his Major League debut at 27. So it's not as if he's been around for a, a terribly long time. But this article was even talking about the Royals did not understand how to evaluate him. And that's why it took them so long to get him to Major League. So maybe the Reds can put together a package to get a guy like him because he's not a free agent until 2023. So he's still got a few years of control and 
stuff like that. But that's that's definitely the mold of a guy that I think the Reds could go after, yeah. but not not necessarily the name or something. But he's a guy that I'd love to have because he's super versatile. Super versatile, uh, talented, certainly an all-star this year, and cost-controlled for a while. Of course, you got to wonder why the Royals would want to trade somebody like that. So you're sure. going to have to give up something to to get uh, something. But but I'm of the opinion the Reds need to be. I, I'd be dangling Jonathan India. I'd be dangling Taylor Trammell. I'd be dangling pretty much everyone to try to swing a big deal to get a guy uh, that fits that mold that we're talking about. That's a a quality player that you can plug in for the next three years or so or more. Absolutely, and and this is the time in the quote unquote rebuild to go after that kind of guy and not necessarily wait on these prospects. We we spent five years being like, ooh, this is a good prospect or that's a good prospect or this guy's going to be up soon, that guy's going to be up soon. I think this is the time that you pull the trigger if you've got a team that's interested in a guy like that and say, hey, look, we've got somebody we can acquire. Let's go ahead and get that guy. Well, they're at the point in the rebuild where uh, they're on the verge of being a really competitive team and they can see. Here are where our holes are. And so then you go out and you fill in the holes. Uh, prospects, everybody loves their own prospects. Everybody loves them. Uh, prospects have two particular uh, items where they're valuable, two instances where they're valuable. Number one, if they make it to the majors and become a, a good player. Nick Senzel, for example, his value as a prospect, he ended up providing value to the Reds uh, through coming up and, and playing well in the big leagues. But a prospect can also provide value by... Uh, what you can bring on the trade market. It's an asset that the organization has, and they could bring another good player in. So, you know, a Taylor Trammell, I love the idea of Taylor Trammell being in the Reds outfield, but if he can be a part that brings in another quality player to the Reds, you know, I think you got to explore that because some prospects don't make it. Now, do I think Taylor Trammell is going to be a, a pretty good big leaguer? Yeah. Do we think he's going to be an all-star? I don't know. Maybe. Do I think he's going to flame out? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, you just don't really know quite yet, and he's barely played above single A at this point. So uh, to me, I, because of where they are on the rebuild, as you said, I'm looking to pull the trigger on. I, anybody's available, essentially. It would be really hard to get me to trade Luis Castillo or Nick Senzel, but just about anyone else in the entire franchise, from Greenville all the way up to uh, Greenville and Billings up to Cincinnati, everyone's available. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And I'm with you. I, I think um, this is the point where you kind of get, uh, you, you, I don't know, you can get a little caught up in who's coming, who's going, that sort of thing. And we don't really know. And I know that we could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, just throw names out here and stuff. But let's look in-house for the, at least for right now, for the rest of 2019, who are the three most important guys in the clubhouse right now? Okay, uh, I think number one, and I think clearly number one to me, is Joey Votto. Uh, because he's the straw that stirs the drink in Cincinnati and has been forever, and he has been hitting much later now. His numbers are actually starting to look uh, pretty good 
on the season. But the Reds really need him as the leader of this team to continue hitting well, to be the Joey Votto we've all known and loved uh, because the offense has been, even with, with Votto and, and Puig hitting better lately, the offense has not been good. In June, the offense was really bad again. So uh, I, when you talk about important, the pitching's done their job. We've got to get some production out of this offense. So to me, Joey Votto is number one on my list. Um, number uh, number two, probably probably a guy like uh, Jesse Winker. Okay. I would say uh, Winker is a guy who his stats, if you take out the last, first nine games, are really good. Probably the second best hitter on the team this season, if you take out the stats of the first. Uh, nine games. I mean, they're legitimately that good. He was 0 for a million in the first nine games, approximately. Those aren't actual stats. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, but he, you know, David Bell is really trying to uh, shield him a little bit from tough pitchers and tough lefties. And I think that I want to see for the rest of this season, Winker sort of break out to become a guy. This is our left fielder. I want him to win that spot. So I think he's pretty important. And the other guy's Tyler Malley. Um, Tyler Malley is, uh, has pitched pretty well this year. Uh, he had a rough start there right before the break, but overall he's an average to slightly above average starting pitcher at age 24. And there's real value in that. I want to see him pitch well enough so that he's not the odd man out if, and when Alex Wood comes back. So those are the three guys I'm really looking to watch in the second half. And I think that if they are successful, it really, it really helps this team, uh, be successful. I imagine you've got three as well. I do have three, and and I tell you, Joey Votto's definitely on there. Uh, he he's a guy. If if he continues to hit, and I know that he has come back at least to a little bit of an average hitter, according to Baseball Reference, his OPS plus is ninety nine. So he's like ever so slightly below average, but that was definitely way lower than that earlier this season. But I I with you if if he hits like he did in April and May at, you know, if, if he, he spends another month or two like that this season, then the Reds aren't going anywhere. It's not as if one guy can derail a club, but he is the guy. They need him to be on base. They need him to be there for runner, you know, there for uh, the big RBI guys to bring in. Because he's no longer the guy to look at in the three or the four hole. He's the two guy. He is your catalyst. And if he's not getting things going, if he's hitting 200 or worse, then forget about it. So he's definitely the most important. I think number two, and and this is going to be an interesting one to watch, is Michael Lorenzen. He's not... And I use this term loosely because honestly, I don't care who the closer is. I just care that they win ball games. But he is a very important piece to this bullpen. Whenever Rysel Iglesias was starting to falter a little bit, he's the main guy that they started to turn to. And because of that, I kind of worry about his longevity. He had a rough end to 2018. And if he has that kind of an end this year, they've already seen David Hernandez kind of take a dip. Jared Hughes is not what he was last season. And with a reliever being as volatile as they are, I really need one dude to stay consistent all the way through. So I'm looking at Michael Lorenzen to be that guy. And then the third that I'm looking at is Scooter Jeanette. And the reason I say that is partly for the Reds and partly for him because he is on a contract year. 
and I really would be, that would probably be the most surprising thing to me, is if the Reds were to actually extend Scooter Jeanette, because I don't see it happening. I don't even know if it would be that smart of a thing. And I'm not trying to pull a Jason Linden here and say that I hate Scooter, but <laughs> at the same time, I think what he does when he comes back from injury, is he a completely healthy? Is he close to what he was in 2018 and even 2017? Does he have the power? Because if he doesn't have the power, or if he just goes straight back to the disabled list like he did when he first came back this year, then you're looking at extended playing time for Jose Peraza and for Derek Dietrich. And I love Derek Dietrich, but Scooter needs to be the main stalwart at second base. And if he's not there, I think the Reds just continue to play with contention, but not necessarily be in contention. So those are my three guys. I definitely agree on Joey Votto, but... um, I'm with you. I think, and especially with the pitching, some some may ask why we're not listing Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Those dudes are studs, and I think they're just going to keep being studs. I think we know what we've got from them moving forward. Yeah, I think absolutely. I like I like Scooter Jeanette uh, as one of those guys because that's a such a big question mark, and he's such a big fan favorite. Right. Um, but you know, uh, how much has he helped this team second half? You know, if he can hit like he's hit the last couple of years, he can he can really help this offense. They need a guy that can uh, that can hammer the ball. But uh, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect from him. And yeah, Luis Castillo, I think has uh, he's convinced me that guy's the real deal. Love Luis Castillo, and I'm I, he's a guy that I'm excited to watch second half. And he's certainly important to the team, but I'm not necessarily in the context of the way I think the way you ask this question. So it's a good question, though. Absolutely, and. I can't wait to see how that all plays out. And and real quick, this is pretty early to be talking about this, but with the trade deadline coming up, it's definitely worth looking into. Who are five guys, and maybe maybe it's not five, maybe it's three, three to five guys, that are the most important for the Reds in 2020 and beyond? Well, you know, uh, I think Votto is in that uh, category as well because, sure. uh, you know, how's he going to continue to age? Uh, that's going to really dictate part of what, where the Reds look to go with this rebuild. I mean, he's going to be around, but if he starts to really decline, then it kind of changes. The Reds are going to figure out some place to add some more offense. So I think how his his uh, decline phase continues over the next year and the, in the following years is very important. Uh, Nixon Zell is, to me, for next year and beyond, uh, as big a key as anyone in the sense that he's doing a really good job right now as a rookie. Uh, really happy with him at the top of the lineup. But is he going to develop over the next year or two into a middle-of-the-order hitter? And there are some signs that he can do that. And if he can, again, that's a place where really, uh, really helps. And um I'm I'm kind of going to go stay away from the pitching uh, this time as well, and I, I probably shouldn't because I think guys like Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, are extremely important uh, going forward. But Eugenio Suarez, you know, Suarez has been fine this year. He's been, you know, I'd say slightly above average. I got no problems with Eugenio Suarez, but can he get get back to being the the big time middle of the order hitter that was an All Star last year? Uh, if Suarez can be the guy he was last year. If Votto can hold off the decline, and if Senzel can improve, I think right there, uh, your offense all of a sudden starts to look awfully good next year and beyond. 
I'm with you on Suarez. I'm I'm slightly I I wouldn't say worried, maybe slightly concerned. He's he's sitting right now. His his OPS you don't hate at eight ten. He's got twenty homers, which is nice. But he struck out ninety eight times, and his batting average sets at two forty eight currently here in the All Star break. And it's something that I don't necessarily need to see him at three hundred, but maybe two seventy to eighty. That's what I'd like to see out of my number three guy, and I hope he can get there. He's got the talent to get there. Uh, definitely something to watch moving forward and into the coming years because his personality is such he could be a team leader and, you know, use the... Uh, yeah. the, the, the if, if you don't love Eugenio Suarez, there's something wrong with you because that guy oh, is yeah. just the best. He's he's awesome. And use, to use the tired old adage... It's almost as if Joey Votto is handing off the torch to him. He's going to be the guy, I think. Yeah, could be. Uh, and I'm with you on Sinzel. What is he moving forward? And also, positionally, do they want to sure. keep him in the outfield? Do they like, keep him in second base? What do they want to do with him? And um, probably the third guy. I, I'm with you on Jesse Winker because I think moving forward, we need to know what the Reds view him as. And it's funny because C. Trent, uh, does this thing every uh, almost every week, maybe every other week on the athletic, a question and answer sort of thing. And I asked him the other day, I was like, do the Reds see Jesse Winker as a platoon guy? Because they just refuse to bat him against left-handed pitchers. And I know his numbers aren't great, but his numbers will never get better if he never plays against left-handed batters so, or pitchers. So do they see him as a platoon guy? And all he said was no. And he, he didn't really have anything to that. So maybe I'm totally off base with that thought at all. But I need to know if the Reds see him as an everyday player. Because if they don't, then what do we got in the left field? Are we just going to continue to play with a platoon? Will Phil Irvin get more playing time? Because he crushes against left-handed pitchers. But he's not so great against right-handed pitchers. But I'm just thinking that I, I look at Jesse Winker. I need him to be a guy. And not just, oh, hey, we've got a righty on the mound. Because he gets shut down against the Cubs. Because the Cubs have a ton of lefties in their rotation. And definitely a guy I need to see more versatility out of moving forward. At least based on pitching. Yeah, and I say that because I really feel like Winker can eventually do that. I, you know, I don't know what the Reds are thinking. And I don't, frankly, don't think Trent knows on this particular point what the Reds are thinking. I'm not sure anyone does. Sure. Uh, but I would say that Jesse Winker is only 25. And so if the Reds are bringing him along a little slowly with the idea that he can be a full-time guy going forward, great. But you know what? It may be the case. I don't think it is because I'm a huge Jesse Winker fan. It may be the case that the best way to use Jesse Winker is in a platoon with a guy like Philip Urban who crushes lefties. That may just be – I don't have any uh, you know, innate bias against platoon situations because if you have a, two guys, neither of which are quite good enough – to start against uh, you know the opposite uh, handed pitcher, that's not a bad way to run your team in a lot of ways because you're maximizing the contributions you're getting from guys. I do think Jesse Winker can take take that step though to be a guy that hits against both righties and lefties, and and I'm like you, I want I want to see him I want to see him take a step forward in that sense. I would love it if that happens because I I about bought a Jesse Winker jersey after that Mets series early on this season. But, uh... <laughs> oh, I know another guy with a lot of personality, a lot of fun to watch. This team's got a lot of it, and it's David true. Bell at the head. Just, I mean, it's awesome. I love it. They're they really are a likable team, you know. And and that, to me, that's part of it. I want them to win more, certainly, 
but they're fun to watch each night because they're a, a, a group of likable guys. We haven't even mentioned Derek Dietrich, you know, I mean, right. uh, Yasiel Puig. I mean, these it's a fun thing. Castillo, I love everything Castillo does. You know, he's just, it's a, uh, it's a, I want them to win. Please win more. But, but even if they're just a sort of 500 team, at least they're worth watching. Well, hey, Chad, I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for coming on this show. Hey, I, I love it, man. Anytime. That'll do it for us this week here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the show. Make sure that you're subscribed on all the major podcasting platforms to get the new episode each and every day. And also, check us out on Twitter, at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And hit us up on the Locked On Reds line, 513-549-0159. I'll talk to you guys again on Monday. My name is Jeff Carr, and this is the Lockdown Reds Podcast. Go Reds, and have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.